Yeah, and that's the thing also I want to remind everyone that everyone's journey is different um, and addiction is very real and it runs in my bloodline, but I do feel the addictive patterns in my brain were also very alive in other areas. I didn't love myself. I didn't have self-worth. I was addicted to feeling validated by others. I needed and wanted to feel like I was a part of something because I was an only child for so long. Um, and the abandonment issues were, oh my God, if I can be liked and I can be a part of everything with everyone else, no one will leave me, right? Like, And, and I realized that the days I didn't party or, or respond to the going out texts, I didn't get any texts. No one cared about me unless I was at the party. People knew I was connected. Oh, let's go here and you can get us into this. And so I had this addictive mentality to people pleasing and to being very disconnected with myself because I was scared to love myself. Welcome to the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol and I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same. Like right now. I am going to be talking to a Brittany Lee today. And what I want you to get out of this, what I want you to learn about this, okay, is that there is another side to the world, another side to the nature, another side to this way of thinking, this way of being, this societal conditioning that we might not be aware of, that we might be a little bit frightened of, that we might be a little bit fearful of losing our status if we step into it, that I want you to seriously consider taking a peek. We're going to be talking about rituals. We're going to be talking about tarot cards. We're going to be talking about Reiki. We're going to be talking about energy. We're going to be talking about meditation, all those types of things, right? And I want to tell you, for me, okay, as someone that doesn't drink alcohol, being open-minded and trying new things has been absolutely, unequivocally essential to my journey of being someone that doesn't drink alcohol and live in a kick-ass life. And even today, I'm still trying to learn new things, to be open-minded, to be acceptant of these things, okay? So that is the whole purpose. That's why I got Brittany on here today, because there are a lot of men out there that really are not prepared, okay? They're not prepared to step into their true manliness and to be a real man. And for me, to be a real man means that you show up for people, that you hold space for them, that you are a safe container, that uh, people respect you, that they trust you, that they feel connected to you, that you listen to them, that you you really are there for them. I think that is essential. That is a sexy man, right? And for that to happen, you really need to really find out who you are and find ways and tools and techniques to really center on your own source. And especially when you stop being someone that doesn't drink alcohol, because now all of a sudden you don't really know who you are. And we need to learn who, find who we are again, our very essence of ourselves. So that's why I got Brittany on. Hope you enjoy it. If you want to join the 1000 Day Sober Experience and work with moi, yours truly, and the fleet of 1000 Day Sober Coaches, then get over to www.1000daysober.com, fill in the questionnaire and schedule a 30-minute discovery call with myself and we'll see if we're a good fit. Now, on to Brittany Lee, who for most of her uh, life, she worked with artists and creative and the rock and roll lifestyle. Uh, she started a music journalism site at the age of 16. She went on a first tour at 17 because she knew she was destined to be involved in the music industry on a grand scale. But at the same time that she was doing that, she was also locking herself in the library, learning about Reiki, tarot cards, uh, spiritualism, and all that kind of thing, right? And she said that upon connecting with so many people, um, identified behaviors and habits, she realized that the real change, if she wanted to change 
her environment and change herself and change the people she hanged around with. And you'll find out why she wanted to do that. It begins up here. It begins with mindset. Okay. And with that realization, she began dibbing, digging, not dibbing, digging deeper into consciousness, the healing arts and finding out what her own unique gifts are. Okay. And she's been looking into that for about three years. She has this uh, wonderful uh, experience called Think Outside where she meets with you um, and she really takes you through her toolkit of deep learning and uh, uh, deep centering and finding that source. And she's now started to be a one-on-one -on -one coach as well, personal coach, right? So head over to 1000daysober.com, find the podcast page, go down to the Brittany Lee one and check her out. Check out her Instagram page, check out her website, check out everything and book a 30-minute call with her and go and work with her. She is an amazing, beautiful, incredible spirit. All right. Right. Without further ado, I'll shut the hell up. Leave you in the capable hands of Brittany Lee. Brittany Lee, we're live on the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Lee. Uh, it's really good to have you on. Um, you have a very interesting story. So let's start there. <laughs> let's start at your yeah. epiphany bridge. You got plunged into the rock and roll lifestyle at a very young age. And now you've ended up being kind of zen. Like, they don't fit. To me, they don't fit. Tell us a little bit. How'd you go from rock and roll to zen? Well, that's a wild one. So basically, I started at 15, like you said. It was really young when I discovered my interest in music. I was doing music journalism at 15, started my own site, was on forums, running street teams, had X's on my hands in nightclubs, shipping merch out, running merch for bands. Um, I was already manifesting, little did I know. And then I was also locking myself in, myself in a library, reading about poltergeist, spirits, tarot, energy work, all kinds of stuff. So I had these polarities about myself my whole life, just music, self-expression, and then inner understanding. So I'd say I really discovered my spirituality through all of the challenges I faced in the music industry all of those darker energies and all of those forces that surround you, drugs, alcohol, just a, a lifestyle that forces you to be up late and not really sleep. And just discovering my dark self made me realize what a light day feels like, what my light self is and finding the balance between the two. Could you try to describe that dark energy, that, that feeling of darkness? Because, um, it reminds me of when I was working in the poker industry, like kind of full time, we would go to the World Series of Poker in Vegas every year, me and my wife. We would be there for six or seven weeks, right? And when you get there, it's good, it's great. You're kind of like, oh, yeah, it's like Santa Claus or poker. But then after a while, you something happens for me anyway. When you walk into the Rio, there's this feeling a sinister feeling, a feeling of lack, a feeling of, ugh, a feeling of, it's all about money and materialism and desperation. I never felt that when I was a drinker, right? But I felt it when I stopped drinking. What am I feeling? What's happening? In, in, what's your perspective on that? Well, to even go in on the aspect of being sober and present in those things versus um, having alcohol in your body, I feel like alcohol can block you from your gifts. So I believe that's why it's called spirits, because I also think what's happening is it's opening you up to, it's basically canceling out your, your field. So it's almost like opening you in a way to everything and anything. So you almost become, things can take over you. I feel like 
other people's energy can enter you. And that's why you're easily able to like become a chameleon potentially and like blend in and fit in and feel like you're part of everybody and not really being yourself. Right. So I feel like alcohol helps that. So I feel like you're almost blending with the energy of everyone around you. That's the biggest wants. They want the greed. They want the, you know, one mentality of like money, 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 success, competition. When you're sober, you have your shield. I think your energy is more protected. You're more in your space. You're becoming an observer and seeing the polarity of you versus the heavier energy of everyone else that's in it. Mm, It's a really powerful thing and something that I have great difficulty explaining to people. You know, it's almost what you're saying there is alcohol is blocking energy it's 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 doing something or or is it it's selective in kind of what energy you get and i guess i guess um you can couple that to uh, the toxic environments and the toxic people you hang around in so it's, it's i guess it's all connected right yeah i mean for me so i didn't drink for three and a half years the reason i stopped was because i realized i had a habit i had an addictive mentality to it. It was almost like a negative ritual, right? Right. Like I would walk into a bar. The first thing I'd feel is my heart rate start to increase and I'd start mm-hmm. to feel my anxiety kick in. And I was like, is this social anxiety? Not really. Cause I love people. What is it? And I started realizing my gifts are so heightened. My, I, I, I feel everyone's thoughts. I feel their, their energy. So my first thought was I need a drink and you drink, give me a drink. That's what everyone says when you walk in a bar. Ooh, I need a drink. Right. Mm-hmm. And I realized the reason I was craving a drink is because then I could settle in and I wasn't hearing the, I was just a part of everyone else's energy. And it was almost like a, the negative part of that is I'm no longer protecting myself. I'm no longer creating a separation energetically. I'm becoming one with everyone around me. That's why a lot of, you know, depressed, anxious, sad, ill people go to a bar because then we're all lowering our vibration together and we can all feel like we're not alone. And so I noticed that about a bar and about Vegas. It's just this like, this like overwhelming feeling. Mm. What was, um, was there a moment where, cause you, you said that as you're growing up, you're really deep into the rock and roll kind of thing. And then, but at the same time, you're also into your, uh, spirituality and otherworldliness and your connectiveness to the universe and everything and spirit, whatever we want to call it. Um, at what point did the two clash and you kind of have to make a choice? What, what happened? this was a dark time. Um, I'm going to be so transparent with you. Do it. The day I realized it still wasn't the time I stopped drinking. Um, but it was when I really had an awakening. I was so drunk and was so interested in someone and they were just playing games with me. They were someone kind of big. So I was putting them on a pedestal as well. I fell down the stairs, I guess, and was passed out. They walked over my body and I woke up the next day, passed out. I had lost my job. I literally peed my own pants for the first time as a grown adult. And I was like, I could have died. I guess I had been out for like 13 hours. All my friends said, listen, this isn't you. Like you need to wake up to this. The fact that you still can't see that we're losing you is what worries me. So I went to the beach. I put my feet in the sand and I just realized I need to figure this out. And my friend gave me the book um, or had me watch The Secret. And at first I was like, I don't know. I don't really get it. And the secret turned into me reading more self-help books. Hmm. Then it turned into me going to the gym. Then it turned into me, okay, I've always loved crystals. Let me figure out why. And it was just this like unfolding. And I had to literally be 
kicked down the stairs and peeing on myself to like wake up to the fact that I was like slowly dying inside. And how old was you then? I think I was like 23. Wow. So you got it. You got it quite young. You got it quite young then. Most of us are rolling into this in our mid thirties, forties, you know, so you did well there, uh, Brittany. Because I started so young being in such an intense field and an intense environment. I grew up fast, but also I was subjected to everything and I'd already been drinking since I was 14. So by that point, I had already seen it all, really. But it was like, it's just like, okay, something. And alcoholism runs in my family. It was just kind of like, I'm going to lose all my friends. And my friends mean everything to me. Little Mm -hmm. did I know I should mean everything to me. So it was a wild wake-up call for sure. That's where it all really started. I have. uh, Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it because I know it's not easy to talk about peeing your pants. Although, you know. And you yeah. do get to my age, you do piss your pants quite regularly. I mean, <laughs> it's become an, an ordinary thing you talk about. Although I will just slip in here as I'm now, what, like 10, 11 weeks into my elimination. It's not even an elimination diet anymore. My new way of living. I don't pee myself anymore. How weird is that? So, so nutrition had a connection with me um, peeing myself. So there you are. Hey, we're having epiphanies left and right here. We are. We are. <laughs> Just open your mind to your health is what we're trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> a, a couple of days ago, I had a conversation with a dear friend of mine, someone who I love dearly, but I don't spend a, a lot of time with her because I'm in LA, um, but I love her dearly. And I, uh, I got her on a call and I was trying to persuade her to do some work with me and let me coach her and let me help her stop drinking alcohol. She had uh, gone 10 weeks just cold turkey, you know, doing it herself. And she had fallen down the stairs, like you. And oh, her, wow. her daughter had to ring the hospital and get her in, you know. And she was uh, she was in a real, real bad way. But I, I couldn't get her over the line. I, I couldn't convince her uh, that this journey of um, shifting energies, of going from toxicity to uh, beauty, from going from uh, one state to another, from going from uh, the wounded ego, the wounded avatar, so to speak, to kind of like this yeah, beautiful, lovely place. I couldn't get, convince her that to do that alone would just not be a wise decision, you know? So she might be listening to this. You know, what have you got to say to what's going on there, first and foremost, Brittany, when people really want to change, but then when you mention some money or you mention the time or you mention the hard work, that all of a sudden it goes like, oh, do you know what? I think I can do this on my own. What is going on and what's your opinion on that? Obviously, I want to say from just personal experience, I think that's fear. I think for me, that was commitment issues coming up. That was fear of being exposed and being seen in a way that I'd never been exposed or seen before. Also to receive, like sometimes people have resistance around receiving. And that's like a whole other layer of like deep-rooted childhood traumas potentially And another thing could be the scarcity mentality of money and self-worth all in one. I think that's what that is, is because at the end of the day, all we ever want is to not be alone. That's why we come here as humans is to learn, build a community and connect. But for some reason, when it's around a vulnerable topic like this, yet she's already shared all of it with you. You already know the depths, but she's scared her to dig in because I think we get stuck in this routine in this habit, in this story, in this pattern of like, well, that's just who I am. 
And that's how she moves through her life or how we move through our lives. It's like, yeah, you know, my dad did this. So like, I'm this way. Yep. And it like removes responsibility. So when you have to dig deeper and admit these things and really dissect them and discover parts of yourself to heal, that's where the growth is. But we don't want to grow usually. We're like, nope, nope, nope. And deep down, you want to, your soul wants you to, but your mind and your human body is like, mm, I'm not doing it. I'm good. I'll stay here. Yeah. There was a, there was a very obvious kind of like, well, I'd like to do this, but could we keep it a secret? Like, you know, there was, there was a, a definite shame attached to admitting I have a problem with alcohol, which is a, which is a real shame because so many people in the world and so many people surrounding her will have a problem with alcohol, but they can't see it because it's normal. And that is the biggest issue with alcohol in the world is it's like, it's just ubiquitous and just normalized to drink this really addictive drug that causes so much man. So such a shame. There's no ceremony around it. I think also intention is important too. I know people like even me, like I'm not fully sober right now, but I have such a different, I don't have desires to drink. I don't mm. have addictive mentality. I don't do anything anymore. I check myself. It's like, do I want coffee today because I'm tired or do I want it because I like to sit down and sit in the grass and take sips of it and enjoy it? Do I want to eat that because I feel like I should because yesterday I ate that and I just, I have to eat this. Or is it because I really want to eat that because my soul is being called to that? Just having that pause in between action and reaction and even understanding that you have the choice. Every time you want something and your body might want it, make sure it's is, is your soul in alignment with that? And some people don't even realize that. I want to touch upon this, actually, and but I want to preface it with a caveat. Because the last time I had somebody on the show and we talked about moderately drinking or whatever you want to call it, consciously drinking or whatever, um, there was uproar. Everybody was writing to me going, Lee, what are you doing having somebody on the show who drinks alcohol? What message is that giving to people? So let me preface it this way, okay? So if you come into the 1,000 Days Sober Space, if you work with me and my team of incredible coaches, if you join the Strive community and you learn our philosophy and our education, you will learn that alcohol provides you with no long-term value. That's what you will grow to learn and you will grow to accept as a new belief. And once you accept it as a new belief, it will remove the craving and you won't desire to have a drink. So I always tell people, when they say, can I drink moderately? Do I have to quit drinking for alcohol forever? No, you can drink alcohol whenever you want. But if you work with me, you won't want to. However, so that I'm telling you that right now, right? So please don't write to me and say, oh, you just glamorized drinking alcohol. For me personally, like I don't see no value in drinking alcohol, so I don't drink it. But there are millions, if not billions of people who do see value in drinking alcohol and they drink it and they have a, uh, a healthy relationship with it, right? So I just want to say this isn't an excuse for you all to go out and drink because Brittany drinks, right? We all know people who drink very little and they're okay with it. That is just not with us. It's a choice that we choose not to make. But if you want to, make the choice to drink moderately. Brittany's going to tell you how she did it because it sounds like she went from a place where she was addicted to alcohol and addicted to everything around it to not being in that spot. So what worked for you, Brittany? Why, why are you not falling down the stairs, pissing your pants now? Well, this is a juicy one. You wanted to get into plant medicine, didn't you? So um, I did ayahuasca. I know that sounds wild, but I turned to plant medicine. I said, hey, 
you know, I don't want to do drugs anymore. I also haven't done drugs ever since recreational drugs since ayahuasca. I said, this is calling to me. So I sat down, I did two days of ceremony, full cleansing before two weeks of cleansing before it's, you know, whole ceremonious experience. I also want to preface whenever you do plant medicines, I personally feel the only way to know it's safe is to set an intention, have a sacred calling of calling in ancestors, calling in higher beings, building a safe container. If you're doing ayahuasca, I strongly, strongly, strongly suggest you make sure you're sitting with a shaman who is a practitioner to deliver this and hold space for you and really honor it because it's from the earth. These these are medicines. That's the difference is it's the medicine of God. It's the medicine of the earth to open your eyes and expand your, your value and give you a viewpoint of life and death and how it's all the same thing. So with that being said, I literally tried mushrooms for the first time on a beautiful ceremonious trip and the message to do ayahuasca came through that next day. I found out that there was a ceremony happening at my friend's house. She holds space for it. And I went a month later and you have to be fully sober, obviously leading up to it for at least two weeks. I did four weeks. It was easy. I was like, Oh, well, this is crazy. Okay. And then, uh, ayahuasca comes around. All right, cool. Like they say to integrate, maybe give yourself two weeks. Don't do anything else. Three weeks, four weeks in my mind. I'm like, yeah, probably I'd go out to bars and I was like, Oh no, thank you. I'll just have a soda water. No, thank you. I'll just have soda water. And I was like, and I asked myself, like, do you want to drink? I'm like, no, I don't want to drink actually. And I was like, whoa. And then my birthday was coming up. I'm like, I guess I'll just wait till my birthday because there's no way I'm not going to drink on my birthday, right? Birthday comes around. I'm like, I still don't want to drink. And that just kept happening for three and a half years. It was just gone. I was just like, I don't care to drink. I don't care. And it just totally shifted my perspective on why am I doing what I'm doing? How often am I doing it? Is this serving me? Is long-term use of anything actually great? Even supplements, like should I take breaks from taking certain supplements, reset my body, make sure my body even wants it still. And it just changed my mind. I realized how many things I do and take into my body without intention that do not serve me. So Mm -hmm. you're completely right. And I fully resonate with everything that your program stands for and what you said before, because that's a thousand percent what got me to where I am. So at one point then I'm, I'm theorizing, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong to it, you got to a point where a situation happened and you said to myself, am I okay to drink right now? And then you said to yourself, yes, I am. How did that yep. feel? I remember the exact moment I checked in with myself and the waiter said, do you want a glass of wine? And I was like, hmm. And I said, can you come back? Because it had been at that point, I think it was exactly three and a half years. And I was just like really watching videos on people. A lot of my friends in um, AA and everything had talked to me. Like some friends had decided to drink again. And, and it was, I was just so inspired because I'm like, or in, intrigued. Cause I'm like, well, that's wild. You're, you're not like losing your mind. Like you're seeing different still. Like it still seems like you're a different person. We're not like chugging and doing beer funnels and craziness and hearing their stories, looking up other people's stories online. I was just kind of like, am I now sticking to my sobriety for an ego and a fear that I will be judged? And then I'm like, who's judging me other than myself? And so I made, I broadcasted it on my social media. I was like, this is my first glass of wine. Here is why. And I had this, like, I start like just started spewing my truth. And I, and I admitted like, 
I'm going to sit with this and see how it feels. And I just wanted to see if my body shifted, if my energy shifted, if my brain shifted, if I felt depressed, if I felt I needed to finish it. I took two sips and was like, cool, that was delicious. And then I didn't even need to finish it. I didn't need anything from it. I realized I've completely detached any power from or to alcohol. It was just a delicious fermented grape that I had with my dinner. And I was like, like, it was just this mind opening thing. And I didn't cry. I wasn't depressed. I didn't regret anything. And I said, okay, cool. And now it's like, I'm very cautious about it. I don't need anything. That's what I've realized. The epiphany is I don't need anything. And I want to be healthy. It reminds me of Johan Hari talking about heroin and using, I think it's Switzerland as an example. I know Portugal's the same, where they legalize all drugs. And when they legalize all drugs, they, the statistics, all the horrific statistics you know, related to drug abuse kind of disappear, right? And, and the reason that is, is they work on producing systems that work on the reasons why people were drinking in the first place. So I'm just going to throw out a guess here, and I'm just going to let you then expand upon it. I'm going to guess that when you were abusing alcohol, you were disconnected from yourself and disconnected from the world and those around you. And when you started drinking again, you were connected with yourself and connected to other people. So now it doesn't become about addiction because you're not using it as a, in a bad way. And this is, a, this is a good thing to ask you because the people who then complain uh, on 1,000 Days Sober or my audience that you know we're talking about this, um, this doesn't relate to you. Because you are addicted to alcohol. You're using alcohol to numb some pain that you're not dealing with or you haven't uncovered yet. And I'm going to let Brittany speak. It sounds like that she did that work. Yeah. And that's the thing also I want to mind everyone that everyone's journey is different. Um, and addiction is very real and it runs in my bloodline. But I do feel the addictive patterns in my brain were also very alive in other areas. I didn't love myself. I didn't have self-worth. I was addicted to feeling validated by others. I needed and wanted to feel like I was a part of something because I was an only child for so long. Um, and the abandonment issues were, oh my God, if I can be liked and I can be a part of everything with everyone else, no one will leave me, right? Like, And, and I realized that the days I didn't party or, or respond to the going out texts, I didn't get any texts. No one cared about me unless I was at the party. People knew I was connected. Oh, let's go here and you can get us into this. And so I had this addictive mentality to people pleasing and to being very disconnected with myself because I was scared to love myself. Mm. Uh, and with that being said, I, I did find a connection in alcohol with, it was a community. I mean, society's like, go out, party, make friends, drink, 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 you know? And I fell into that. And I think like you're saying, the day I did take a sip of alcohol again, I guarantee if I was not, I hadn't done three and a half years of work, um, multiple plant-based ceremonies, tons of self-exploration, reading probably millions of books, audio podcasts, like deep, deep, deep work, going to homeopathic healers, sound wave therapists, all kinds of stuff, reprogramming myself from the inside out. That if I had taken a sip of alcohol and not been in that place, I guarantee I, I would have either felt regret, shame, depression, or I would have just felt ill. And I do believe that all the work I did is really the only reason I broke free of that um, addiction to alcohol itself. And I, I imagine in the same way that when I drink coffee sometimes, 
I feel that I'm drinking it for the wrong reasons and I don't like the conversation that's going on in my head. And then I, I react to that accordingly. I'm assuming that at some point in the future, if something goes on in your head and you start to realize that you're drinking alcohol for a different reason than other than you are now, that you'll be more with that because you've done the work. Oh yeah. And I've already had to check myself quite a few times because I still have a story in my head that says, if you drink, you're probably depressed or something, you know, like this little mm. voice. Right. Mm. And I'm like, oh. and then I start to live in that. And I'm like, Oh God, is it true? Have I, have I not like, have I been reckless? Am I going back to my old ways? It's that fear. And then I'm like, Brit, has anything changed? Have you actually felt that when you're in that moment though, now you're thinking back and reflecting. So you're creating anxiety. And I've realized like, I've already had that voice come up, but it's never happening while I'm even sipping anything. So it's this like, this like idea of myself that I want to judge myself. When I relapsed folks after three and a half years, so when I went through my divorce and I started drinking again, uh, the reason that I stopped was because my boy, who was 10 at the time, who was having uh, dinner in a hotel in Blackpool and I ordered a bottle of wine. And it was the first time he'd seen me drinking for not, you know, having quit after three and a half years. And he said to me, Lee, I thought you said there's no value in drinking alcohol. And uh, I checked in with myself in that moment. And I said to myself, what value am I getting right now? Does it taste nice? No. Is there a million other things I can drink right now that taste better than this? Yeah. Is it helping me get closer to my son right now? No, it's distancing me. Um, is it going to make me feel good? No, it's going to feel, make me feel shit. Is it going to lower my inhibitions? Yeah. Is that a good thing with a 10-year-old boy? No. So I kind of went through this in my head and, and it was just like a light bulb. I was just like, holy shit, I'm not doing this for any reason that I can think of, which means I'm back in that addictive spiral again and I stopped drinking immediately. And I haven't had as much as a chocolate liqueur in the past, like, seven years, right? So, you know, I say that to you to just think about this. Stanton Peel, you know, Stanton Peel says, look, when you get to a certain age in life, you can have a drink because it's really unlikely you're going to end up at a rock concert with a fucking needle in your arm and a fucking bottle of Jack Daniels by the side of you because you've grown up. So yeah. I, I, I think I think the age thing is a misnomer. It's the experience that you've crammed into the time between to see what happens to you. So I will just end on this and we'll move on to something else. You all have a choice about whether you want to drink alcohol or not. It's just my gang. They choose not to. That's it. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. And um, so alcohol in, in itself, drinking alcohol, you know, one of the reasons that we get sucked into it is this ritual. There's a, there's a ritual nature to it, right? So I said to you, for example, when I was with my boy, I'm in a restaurant, waiter comes over with a wine man. It's a whole ritual. It's what gets you hooked in the first place, this whole ritualization of it. And ritualization can be a very bad thing, but ritualization can also be a very good thing. And I have a feeling that I'm missing this in my life. And that's why I brought you on, because I know you, this is really important to you. So talk to me a little bit about what a ritual is in a, in a kind of positive sense a negative sense if you want as well, and how you started incorporating them into your life and how it's made a difference for you. Okay. Yes. I love that. Um, I think in general, a ritual, some people have a negative connotation against it. They think it's like people who are in cults and they're like, you know, doing some crazy ritualistic thing. And that does, I mean, that is happening. There's all kinds of stuff happening in the world. And some people only associate it with religious practices. They're all forms of ritual, right? Right. I think like 
a ritual is a physical action or some form of doing or being that has a specific intention. I think the higher intention, the better. Um, for me, I always say like, may I have the most benevolent outcome from this experience? All I'm looking for is to be reconnected to source. That's essentially it is to just like be. And sometimes it does take modalities to do those things. Like I have my tarot decks, like sometimes just literally putting my phone down and opening up a deck of cards. They're literally just cards that someone made just like regular poker cards. You know, it's like, it's the same thing, but really what it's doing is it's making you so present in that doing. And my intention is to learn, is to seek, is to connect with something bigger than me. And so that's what these modalities do. That's what meditation really is, is to just coming back to yourself in your true self. Sometimes that means some days your brain's like, beep, boop, beep, boop, and you're like ooh, observing all these thoughts. Other days you're like, oh, I'm vibrating. I have chills. But all it is, is just being, just accepting and just having an intention to just get connected to that moment and be present. Can I ask you a question on that, if that's okay? Mm -hmm. When you say um, you use rituals to get connected to source, what does that mean? Because I know if I was <clears throat> 35 again and I was drinking and I came on here and listened to that, I'd be like, what the fuck's she on about? What's source? The source, yes. Source energy to me is just, you know, it could be anything, it, whatever you call it, God, the universe, the oneness, um, a higher power. Um, I think it's just... That it's a feeling, really. It's almost like you can't explain it. You have to feel it. And we've all felt it. Whether you're on a walk and you have an epiphany, right? I know you go on walks all the time. It's like sometimes you have that ping. It's almost this little like, ooh, and you have an idea. And then you do the idea without questioning it. It just becomes your action. And then from that action, there's a reaction. And typically, when we follow those things, that's when you're like, oh my God, I had this idea and then I did this and then this happened. And then she reached out to me. It was crazy. It's like, no, it wasn't. You just listened to the guidance that came from you, which is really, you are the higher being. You are God. You are the oneness. Every little thought, every action. So if you can just pause sometimes and not be in that like analytical, like robot brain and just be in that like whatever that means to you, drawing, painting, walking, running, whatever it is, as long as you can get into your body and connect your soul and your body together, to me, that's source. You're coming back to your all-empowering existence. I'm going to share some rituals with you now, and then you can share some so people can get a, a good view of it, okay? Um, so, and I never used to do any of these things when I was drinking, right? So, I get up in the morning and I first thing I do is I stretch. So I stretch while I'm listening to a guided meditation on Sam Harris's Waking Up app. And I stretch and I'm just quiet and I got my eyes closed and I'm listening to this guided meditation. That to me is a ritual. Um, then I have um, a glass of lemon water and then I make my smoothie for my breakfast, right? So that's an example of ritual for me. Um, just before I came on to tour to Brittany, I did a 10-minute guided meditation just to center myself, tell myself I was going to do a fantastic job and, and listen to this, guys, to connect to Brittany. So I was trying to connect to Brittany through some ethereal means, right? Um, the, another example of um, a ritual for me will be when we sit down for dinner later on this evening, somebody will say grace, around the table. If that's 
Liza's mother, she will, she'll make it all about God and she'll say, in Jesus' name, I pray. If that is um, Zia, my four-year-old daughter, she will sing, say a prayer for me now by Duran Duran. And if it's me or, if it's me or Liza, we'll just say, thank you, universe, um, for blah, 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 blah. And that's, uh, that's our gratitude practice, right? So, And then at the end of the night, I'd like to share my wins with people who are important to me. Okay, so there are some of my rituals. And I want to make it clear, I never did things like that when I was drinking. My rituals then were very different. My rituals were come, get up in the morning, just get my shit on and go to work. My rituals were come home and on the way, stop up of a bar and drink alcohol. Get in the house, drink alcohol, sit down and watch telly and not speak to anybody. The only good ritual I had was take my son to bed and read him a book. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was that. Okay, that is that. All right. So I want to give you the market difference. And I'm nowhere near learning this thing. Uh, Brittany, give me a, a, little, a little look at your day. What are your rituals? First of all, congratulations, because all of those things are you connecting with yourself and choosing you first, which is so important um, versus just totally disconnecting your existence from you. You know, you, you became one with yourself now, which is so special. So mm. I think that's awesome. Those are beautiful rituals. Highly recommend all of those. I think that's absolutely incredible and grounding. You're activating your divine feminine, which is the receiving and also the divine masculine pairing them together and creating that like yin and yang. So some of my rituals, I've been learning also to make sure I'm not doing a ritual just to do it and say I did it to make sure I'm connected in it. Because some I had I literally had my ritualistic offerings to myself on my to-do list alongside, okay, and now finish your assignments, do this, do that. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is my ego being like, how much can you get done in one day? Because you're so used to it, right? So I first of all, new ritual is to remove my rituals from my to-do list and just wake up and say, what do I feel called to today? Is it a workout? Is it stretching? Is it EFT tapping? Is it walking in the grass? Is it calling my mom? I'm really opening it up now to see what that day and how I can be my best self for the day, what that day requires me to encompass. Like, how can I get to my goal? What do I need to do before anyone has a say? What can I do right now to be my best self? So sometimes it's breath work. Sometimes it's pulling a tarot card. Oftentimes I do my gratitude, three things I'm grateful for, an affirmation and intention for the day. And now I pull a tarot card for that and say, what do I need to know about this day? Um, and other times it's sharing my gratitude with everyone and asking them to share with me. So giving and receiving. Those are the things I do every day that kind of is a checkoff that I just really know consistently I love. Um, Lately, I've really been grounding with the earth before I take anything in. I put my feet to the ground, let the sun hit my face. And before I put any words out to anybody else on socials or to my friends, or clients, I, I make sure that I receive a little bit of that and ground myself first and check myself and make sure I'm centered and I'm not sending out anxious, intense energy to anybody else. <laughs> so that's a big one is just sending energy to the earth and letting the actual earth do it consciously or subconsciously it's just going to happen thank you for sharing those Brittany. i really appreciate them I mean, you just reminded me actually that um i pull cards with zia as well we have this um so louis louise hay mm. um, deck of cards and we pull one each morning and it allows me to talk to my four-year-old at a different depth 
the other thing I like to do, and I know my my boy thinks this is really annoying, <laughs> but when I talk to my boy, he's 19, he's in the UK, I like to pull a card. Like I've got cards here all over my room, like Know Yourself, uh, The Confessions Game. I like to pull a card and I'll say, I'll ask him a question. It's a deep question. So he's, he's thinking, he's introspecting, and I'm, I'm teaching him as a teenager, let's think deeper and, and have deeper conversations. So I just want to put that out there because I, uh, I just, just remembered that. I've got a question uh, here for you, a question and, and some uh, viewpoints on what you just said. I like what you said about realizing that your ritualization become part of your to-do list. Uh, so for people listening to that, I think that's something to kind of be aware of. Uh, at 1000 Days Sober, we take everybody who joins us through uh, the color code personality test so we can determine what type of personality we are, so we can learn how we like to receive, how we like to give, so we can learn how to interact with other people. And for some people like me, like a, a, I'm a red person, personality type, for example, to-do listing my ritualizations will be really important to me in the beginning, at least, of what, otherwise I'm never going to make them a habit, like Charles Dewey's habit, habit loop. It's never going to work for me, and I'll lose the power of ritualization. So, so for my personality type, boom. For a yellow who's like, I don't want any rules, I just want to have fun, I just want to be creative, et cetera, et cetera, then that to-do list thing might not happen. So what I got out of what you just said, and I'm interested in your thoughts, is maybe folks attack this as what is in my ritual? Do I have a ritual toolkit? Uh, and if I do, great. What am I going to use today? If I don't, hmm, why don't I have a ritual toolkit? What do you think about that? Yes, that's exactly it. Because I also am someone in order to create a habit. I do think I'd be curious if that's similar to me um, is I do well with to-do lists. However, I it's hard for me to see the whole to-do list and not be in it because I get that feeling of overwhelm. So now mm. I'm learning how to understand. I already got everything in here. Now my toolkit's in here. I already know yeah. what I need, what I want, and I just need to listen to my body. So once you've mastered that and know the modalities, pretty much have tried them all, and you're like, oh, I know I love that. I don't love that. When I do this, that happens. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. So I agree with you. I needed it. I needed the commitment. I needed to see it on a list in order to actually have done it and completed it and seen results from it. And now I'm like, okay, now I can be more fluid. Um, so I do think what's beautiful of that is having some people have no idea where to begin, right? They're like, cool. I don't know what tarot was. I don't know what EFT was. What is that? Mm -hmm. So I think the best thing you can do is even Googling, like what are some of the best holistic approaches? What are some of the best spiritual healing modalities? Um, what is breath work? What, what can I do to heal my body at home? What are some ritualistic practices to try at home or rituals for beginners? There's everything, TikTok, YouTube, Google. I think just learning, educating yourself, trying it, and then seeing what your body responds to, what really made a result. Because that's all it's about. It's not about being like, hi, I do AFT, I do this, 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 this. You can be doing all of those things. And having no results. So that's what I've been focusing on now is, okay, done it all. What actually works for me? Mm. And I'm building a whole new structure or lo loosening my structure. I like, I like it. So you've, you created a structure and then you decided to loosen it and play with it before you maybe didn't have one. And that was not serving you so well. One thing that I want to draw people's attention to in the last podcast episode, we talked to Amy Barsky and Amy said something which is relevant here 
which is very often when it when it when it comes to taking care of ourselves, all right, and getting ourselves out of a hole, we look external, right? So let's just say we want to drink alcohol, we're getting a trigger. So we've gone like a year without drinking and we have a trigger. So we'll look at our trigger toolkit and everything is like external. I've got to ring Lee or I've got to ring my coach. I've got to post on Strive. I've got to go for a run, right? All these different things. Run maybe is going to kind of like blend into what I'm just about to say. The rituals that we've just discussed are more inside out than outside in. And I think if you are going to be someone who doesn't drink alcohol and, and look, if you come to me, I want you to learn the skills and the tools to be trigger-free and I'll guide you. Okay. Because then you have freedom. You're not a, you're not a dry drunk. You're not a miserable fucker who really wants to drink alcohol. Okay. So the, the, this ritualism that we're talking about is beautiful because it's you practicing inside out behavior when you probably lived all your life outside in, which is the equivalent of uh, pick on Carol Dweck, fixed mindset versus growth mindset, you know? We've probably been living in a fixed mindset state where we are. We need external validation for our self-worth, but ritualization allows you to go from internally to be growth mindset to say, hey, do you know what? I'm going to fuck what people think about me because I love myself and here are the practices that are going to help me do that. Then you can sit with your trigger. You can sit with it because you've, you've got these rituals. A ritual could be sitting with your trigger. That is your ritual, right? Yep. Yep. Love that. That's such good advice and such a great way to explain it because I think victim mentality for me was the controller of my life. I did not want to take, I never wanted to take responsibility for my actions. It was always, no, it was this and no, it was that. And that's when I was the most addicted to alcohol too. Cause I was just, I'm just a victim to everything. It was so easy for me to just be a victim and that's what I wanted to be. And the second I shifted out of victim mentality to wanting to be proactive and be the creator of my life, that's when it changed. And that's when I think with practice, you you will notice what you gravitate to and everything you truly need. You're being told by your body, by your mind. Things start to show you the signs of them. I mean, you notice the little things in life. And that's when you're more expansive. You're more aware. You're more observant instead of just like, like you're just like, oh, you know, you're just seeing. You're actually seeing and believing in what you see and feel and it's a beautiful thing. It's, and it's a process. There's mm-hmm. the more open you become to the more you feel everything. Like you said, going to Vegas, you're feeling everything. It can feel wild. And yeah. almost that's what can make people be like, well, then maybe, I, maybe I do need to drink. Cause I feel maybe that was bringing me happiness. Oh, okay. And it's like, no, you're just sober in your thoughts. You're feeling you're actually present. So it's okay. It's just like you said, sit with that trigger. Even knowing you can do that and that's allowed is amazing. Yeah. And then take action. When you stop drinking, you know, when you stop drinking, the fog lifts and white space presents itself and your, your essence, your beauty, your creativity will want to emerge and the resistance will want to kind of hem it back down. And, the, and the, the longer you can stretch that stimulus and response out, so, you know, stimulus, I feel anxious, response, I'm going to drink alcohol. The longer you can spread that out, it's almost like me and Liza once, right? We went to Marrakesh and uh, we just got there and we didn't know where we are going to eat. And we asked this guy in our crappy French how to go and eat somewhere, right? So he chucks us in the back of this real shit taxi and we, we drive for ages. We think he's going to kill us. We get to this place and um, it's called, what's it called? 
I can't remember, it was a cafe, I can't remember what it was called, right? And then there's a velvet rope and we were kind of peering behind it. And as we were peering behind it, you could see that something majestic was going on. But the guy kept shutting it all the time. Rick's Cafe. It was a place where they shot Casablanca, the movie, right? So when you stop drinking alcohol, you, you let that velvet curtain and you can poke behind and you just see a jazz musician, but then it's shut. You can't see the full beauty of it. But if you stop drinking long enough, then the full beauty comes in and then you can start to understand who you are and you start to think differently. And that is really important because if you're a 35 to 45-year-old men who I'm trying to target right now because it's them, those men who are contributing to a lot of pain and misery in the women that are in their lives. I want to help the women, but to help the women, i got to help the men, right? And those 35 to 45-year-old men, a lot of them will be thinking Reiki, tarot cards, fucking uh, breath work. What a lot of bullshit. That's, uh, that, that's not a man. That's, that's like nonsense. I'm not doing that. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of nonsense. And I'm speaking to you folks, right? Just give yourself the opportunity and give yourself the, the, you know, allow yourself to peek into this and do something different because I'll ask you this question, is what you're doing right now working? You know? Mm, that's, that's it. I mean, are we looking for results? Or are we looking for excuses? You know, it's like, do you want to seem cool or do you want to actually change and realize that if people don't like what they see, it's probably because they're not in alignment with who they are. They're judging you and they're, they're scared of your power. Just like we're scared of the, some people are scared of the unknown. They're scared of what's bigger than them. And that's them living in their ego. That's resistance to growth. Just like it's scary to take the last sip of alcohol. People have done that, that are listening to this. That scared them at one point. And now they've already done it. And now it's like, well, now what? Okay, so what's your next challenge? What's leaning in, stepping in, like showing up? And I think too, what's more important is to remember that trying something new is you leaping off a ledge, but you don't know what's going to come from that. You could find something within yourself. You could find a whole new community of people like breathwork. I mean, some of the strongest men I've ever met are doing yoga and breathwork and Reiki. And they're just like, I have a friend who was an NFL star. Now he's a crystal healer. And he's just like, and he has all of his NFL friends are like, that's cool now. Like at first I'm like, what's that? But when you're passionate and in alignment with it and you just keep talking about it and keep sharing it, people start to be like, well, fine. Well, I'll try it. Sure. And then before you know it, you're the leader and creator of this world where everyone that you thought didn't like you or wouldn't like you is looking up to you and they mm. want more of what you have and a sip of what you've been sipping. So I think it's just find curiosity in everything you do. Remove judgment and just find innocence and curiosity and purity. A curiosity blocker for a 35 to 45 year old male is status, right? So if I now stop going to pub with my mates, stop hanging out um, and drinking and talking shit and uh, gossiping and uh, staring at women's tits at a bar and, uh, and talking inappropriately about them. If I stop doing that and instead start doing Reiki and uh, meditation and all these kind of things, then my status in this group is going to drop, right? My status and my ability to attract uh, the perfect mate is going to drop because I'm no longer in my manliness, right? Brittany, Okay, let's dispel this myth. Tell me and describe to me a super sexy, virulent, powerful human being that you would be attracted to. To me, I feel attraction is based off energy. I think it's based off chemistry, which is when you break it down, everything in chemistry is energy and molecules, right? So 
to me, it's either like a magnet that's like, or it's like, and you're, you're being repelled. Right. So I think when you're aligned with your truth and who you really are, and you're not lying to yourself and pretending like we usually were when we cared about what people thought of us. And half the time, the crowd you're trying to please really is the crowd that actually doesn't even bring you joy because you shouldn't feel that you need to compete or prove yourself. People who love you should love you for who you are and travel with you and support you. So I think when we're in alignment with ourselves and we know our truth and we're not afraid and we're ready to put on our mane and roar instead of be a little bitch and hide in the field and pretend, it's like, when you roar like that, there's going to be some people whose egos are like, hmm, I don't like him or, oh God, what an idiot. He's being so stupid. But then there's going to be a, a person out there, a perfect partner for you. That's going to be like, oh my God, look at that person not being afraid to be seen who's speaking up. They're saying and doing everything I've been dreaming of. Like, <gasps> and, that, and then the flashlight goes or the spotlight goes on you and they're seeing you in the room full of people who don't give a shit. Because really it's that one person. It's that one person, that deep connection that we're calling in. And then eventually you keep doing that. Then you find your new best friend. Then you find your new, you know, community that are all based off that one best friend. And then your new partner is like, oh my God, you should meet my friend. You'd love him. And he's doing what you want to do. It's just finding your truth and speaking it out and, and setting that truth on fire and just trusting that the trees have to burn sometimes for the new land to be revealed and just trust that the people will always come. And at the end of the day, when you're so connected to yourself and love yourself, you don't give a shit if anybody likes you. That's the beauty of it. And that's the most attractive thing in the world is loving yourself. I like the way you keep saying like um, your truth. So when you're drinking, you don't know who you are. Like you, you've got to remember that you've been drinking since you were a teenager, right? When we were teenagers, there was that moment when we were like, I still want to be a kid. I still want to have believe in Santa Claus. I still want to have all these wonderful things. I don't want the responsibility, but I have to fit in here. I need to take drugs. I need to smoke. I need to drink. I need to fuck people when I'm too young. I'm not ready. I don't know what to do. Ah, oh, fuck it. I'll just follow everybody else. And then through that shame, you kill your soul your personality, your individuality, your essence, where you kill it. And then you get a 35, 45, and suddenly you don't know who the fuck you are. So one, how can somebody be attracted to that? Two, if they are, it's not a bit deceitful because they haven't, they've fallen in love with or are attracted to the wrong you. So like when you become who you are, is that the right person for you? Like, so look, the truth is finding out the truth, find out about who you are. One of the first things you could do to make that a reality is stop putting alcohol in your body, right? Like, because it's if you keep doing it at the rate that people listening to this are going to do it, it's not going to end well. You're not going to know who you are. You're running further and further away from who you are. So get some help um, and some guides uh, like me and Brittany, and uh, they can help you kind of uh, find out who you really are, right? Yes. I love that. Support is always the best. Who wants to have to go through something alone? I mean, it's great to go through certain things with yourself and have to sit through it. That's part of the process, right? But mm. I mean, you can find someone who can hold your hand and guide you, but not, but just really hold your hand through your own accountability, just being there to hold you accountable because mm. you can't really heal anything unless you're doing it yourself. I, so I think just knowing you have someone who can be the, be the light house not the lifeboat the lighthouse not the lifeboat i like it stop chasing those mermaids they're gonna those beautiful mermaids stop chasing them you're gonna end up dead they'll eat you um yeah 
What was I going to ask you? Cool, but (laughs) tarot, tarot. I was going to ask you about tarot, right? So again, I'm speaking to this 35 to 45 year old, so macho kind of bloke, right? Never going to draw a tarot card, right? So I want to share something with you, and then you can lead from there, right? So my view, my uneducated view of tarot was uh, somebody who's going to claim that there's some sort of psychic or something is going to pull, ask me to pull a card out and they're going to look at that card and then they're going to be like, oh, uh, this is about your life because of this card. Like you're the devil, you're bad, you're good, you're whatever. That was my um, uneducated uh, societal conditioning response to tarot, which means as a bloke, I'm going to stay away from it. Today, I'm still uneducated, but because I'm more kind of like true to myself and with it, and uh, more introspective and more open. When I pull a card with Zia, I look at that card and I don't, I don't think to myself, some spirit has given me that card. I look at the card and I say to myself, wow, that is really true for me right now. Or that's not true for me right now. But, you know, when have I been like that? It allows me to think about a different area of my life that I wouldn't normally think about. And then I can call something wonderful into that space as a result of thinking about it because my subconscious is now going to work on it, right? So that that is a good example of me kind of having a different view to something like that. What is tarot to you? Earlier, you'd said something like, I don't have spiritual practices or whatever or rituals, but then you listed off a bunch of things that are so in alignment with your Uh, spirit. That's your perception. You just didn't want to think that or you didn't even understand that that's what it was, right? So I think in the opposite term, society creates these psychics and movies that are like, oh, you got the devil card, you're going to die, or like the, t- the this and that. And it's like, it can create a fear. Um, I never actually got a psychic reading for a long time, a tarot reading, because I felt like it was dark energy or heavy, or there was a negative connotation around it. So I had my own judgments. The day I picked up a tarot deck and started using it just for fun, where I just said, it's just a couple of cards in a box, right? I'm like, okay, well, let me just see. So I would, I laid out the cards and I just said, what do I need to know today? And I pulled some cards and I was like, cool. And then I realized my, now with readings for clients, I just ask source, I say, may may you heighten my intuition to the highest ability so that I know what card to choose for Lee so that I can help guide him towards clarity on his life purpose, his higher self, and the most benevolent outcome. Nothing's negative about that, right? So once Mm. we remove the power from me, I'm not the person that's doing anything. You and I are connecting intuitively. Like you said, before you called me, you wanted to connect to my energy. What's Mm. funny is I had a feeling you did, just like before readings, I put on music and was like, I think, I think I want to connect with Lee. Like I was just like, let's connect. And I got my vibration up. So we were doing that at the same time. That's intuition. That was just intuition. That was an energy exchange. I felt feminine. Pain. feminine. Yeah, that, feminine. I'm learning. I'm learning. Yes. So with tarot cards, all it is, is it's fun. It's just another way to think outside the box and maybe feel great. Like we spend so much time doing things mindlessly, right? And all these activities mm. that we don't even get anything from. So why not buy a deck, try it out and just see, like you pull a card and sometimes you're like, okay, I just pulled the harmony card. You could be like, that's so crazy because you were just saying we have so much harmony, right? Mm. But then some people could be like, well, I don't know. It doesn't really pertain right now. Why? 
Why do you do immediately assume it has nothing to do with you? That's a positive card. So it's like at the, at the very least, look into it, read what the card says and just think, just write it down. Maybe that will, that moment will allow clarity. Maybe after that, you're like, huh, that got me thinking. And you just kind of, it can, it can create opportunity for you. It can just expand your mind and get you out of your comfort zone. And it's just something fun to do. That's what I tell people. Mm. Don't give it so much power. It's a pack of cards. You know, it's your gift and your intuition that allows things to have value and purpose in yourself. It's not about the cards. It's about you taking the time to try something new and open yourself up to a possibility. That's all it is. Do you know what comes up for me when, when you talk about fun uh, and I've thought about the cards and how we do it in this house. It's a form of processing. So for me, if you're going to stop, get a, get rid of addiction, you're going to stop drinking alcohol, you're going to have to have a processing practice. You know, So a good processing practice would be joining Strive and checking in every day. This is how I feel today. This is, this is what was on my mind today. That is processing. Journaling on your own, processing. Having a conversation with a friend, processing, meditating, processing. This is a perfect processing. You pull a card, it says harmony, and you're like, oh, wow, where am I out of harmony with life? Where am I out of harmony in myself? Where am I in harmony in my relationship? It's a form of processing to allow you to get to know yourself again. That person you put into the cellar, when you were very young, you know, so I like it. I'm going to do more of it. I'm going to ask you one, one last question before we uh, close up. What's Reiki then? What's Reiki? So Reiki, I actually just have set the intention. I want to be um, become a Reiki practitioner. So Reiki is like, it's working with the energy fields of the body. So it's essentially like imagery. And I'm not even a professional. This This is just coming from just a little bit more educated than you even. So I'm still like, Ooh, this is crazy. It's like symbols, like ancient symbols that they learn. Um, And what they do is they can apply these symbols to you. And it has to do, I feel like it's a lot of alchemy and just energy work and like your energetic frequencies in your body and they like can just put their hands over your head and they're sending you symbols and like tapping into your energy field and they can essentially heal your body either from afar i've had distance reiki through the phone and i'll feel the vibration it's because i'm letting it also with anything you have to give permission for the healing to happen and Mm. and it could be part placebo whatever you want to believe it is it's just like you have to receive and give permission to receive in order for them to really work even with, but the crazy thing is they say, even if you are resistant in your mind, just by showing up and being present and agreeing in that sense, the healing will happen whether you like it or not. So that's, what's Mm. wild. So it's really just moving and shifting energy and like healing and like shifting the vibrational fields and energetic fields around your aura and all the layers of your body. It's, it's wild. Like I've been blasted off into another place in my mind, just from headphones. I, uh, I'm going to share something with you uh, that I, I think is um, you know, worth sharing, right? So we have a, a, a 1,000 day sober coach. His name is Vinny. He's, uh, he's super in touch with spirit. He's uh, super kind of like deep and uh, like into all the stuff that we've been talking about, you know? And uh, he, he teaches people within the 1,000 day sober community um, emotional freedom technique, tapping, right? And um, I'm more kind of rational, logical based. So when, when Vinny's going on about tapping or, or I'm upsetting Liza and then she'll just start, she'll just start like tapping while I'm talking to her. Like, I'm, there's a bit of me like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? Like, but then the other day I got all the washing out of the machine and I started to fold the washing. 
And my alarm went off to tell me to check in with myself. How am I feeling right now? Am I in a state of flow? And I realized that whilst I'm not in a state of flow that I can get into when I'm on a football pitch or I'm playing poker, there is a, a mini element of flow because time is just not existing right now. My heartbeat and my heart rate, my breathing, everything is kind of like homeostasis is kind of like there, it's present, and I'm feeling really chilled and beautiful. And all I'm doing is folding the laundry. And it really hit me. I was like, fuck, I could be, if I'm tapping, I'm doing the same thing. I don't. I personally don't even have to believe in meridians and, and, and chakras and all, but just by being stressed and anxious and wanting to drink and then sitting down and saying to myself, I am someone who doesn't drink alcohol. I am extremely powerful. I am someone who doesn't drink alcohol. Alcohol has no value and doesn't serve me. And just to keep doing that for 15 minutes, that is going to bring my energy and my anxiety right down. And I don't have to believe in shit. I just yep. have to do it, right? I just wanted to share 100%. that. A thousand percent. That's amazing. Mm. That's such a good realization. And it's the truth. I mean, you know, it's like our belief systems are a, a lot of the time we have limiting belief systems around things too. So it's like, why not? That's what I just keep saying is why not just try? Mm. Especially if no one's looking, do all the things, you know, like you said, checking in with yourself. They say the true. I had some healers tell me many times, master healers that are like, I don't meditate. He's like, I don't fucking meditate anymore. He's like, I literally found that I practice. He's like, meditation is a practice, right? So you sit and you're finding out what source is. You're discovering what source feels like in your body. What does it feel like when I'm connected to a source or to source? What does it really feel like in my body when I'm aligned versus not? Okay, now I know what that is. So now I'm trying to find it every day. Then you just learn how can I be in alignment throughout my day? It's like just continuously checking. You don't necessarily need to meditate because everything becomes a meditation practice, folding the bed, finding gratitude. Maybe as you yeah. flatten the bed, fold the, bre- the bed, great. You're finding gratitude in that. Doing dishes, being grateful, or just thinking of things that you love about your life or sending love to your family and your mind. Like Just finding things that work for you that make you feel good or even just listening to something exciting while you're doing laundry, like whatever it is. So the things mm-hmm. aren't tasks. They're not working against you anymore. They're working through you. All of it. Yeah. Everything we do is meant to be something that teaches us. On the wall behind your head, it says, enjoy the journey. I leave with this folks, yeah. right? Do not go along this journey on your own. This isn't a journey. This isn't a journey for one. Right, you drink alone, you do not have to quit alone. Think about Frodo Baggins taking that little ring all the way to Mordor. He had a fellowship with him of people who could help him through very different circumstances from big, tough guys with swords, from wizards and little guys with swords. Right, use people like Brittany, use people like myself, pick up the guides that feel intuitively right for you, get curious, do the work, and then when something works and clicks, keep on doing it. Right, Britt. Yes, I love that. You tell him, Lee. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful. Everyone listening, you're so lucky to have Lee as a guide. He's such a special person. 
Uh, thank you, Brit. It's really good to have you on. If anybody wants to do any work with Brittany Lee, go to www.1000daysober.com. Over to the podcast page. There's a specific page for Brittany. There'll be show notes there with all the links and bio, photographs and that kind of stuff. And we'll have a special workbook created for you as well, which will deepen your knowledge on some of the things we spoke about today. Brit, see you later. I'm going in the garden to do my ritual of capturing insects and feeding them to my praying mantis. I'm going to do that from a very zen-like state. I wish you have a beautiful day for the rest of the day, okay? Thank you, Lee. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Alcohol Addiction Podcast. Now, before you run away, just a few things, okay? So, the next time we run the 1,000 Day Sober Experience, our program that guides you and helps you to become 1,000 days sober. So that's 2.7 years, folks, right? It's the only long-term program in the world where we're with you constantly to help and guide you through the six stages of the Strive Model for Change. We get you through being stuck. We get you through thinking and the ambivalence around drinking alcohol. We get you through the research phase of making some change. We get you through the change we manage you through that change and then after that with alcohol in the rearview mirror we help you to evolve to live a fulfilled life to do that incredibly important post recovery work which so many people so many organizations out there dismiss or just don't even cover at all right so we got you back for 1000 days the next time we run an experience will be in july but do not wait until then the best thing that you can do right now is to get over to www.1000daysober.com and sign up to be a member of Strive today, okay? It is £40 a month subscription. That includes uh, the 1000 Days Sober experience. It includes uh, online workshop. It includes online meetings. It includes guidance from our ambassadors. It includes one-on-one meetings with our incredible Strive coaches who are uh, skilled at a vast array of important elements of your life that are gonna drive up and increase your physical and mental health. And by joining now, you get used to the environment, you get used to the community, you get used to the people, and when by the time July comes along, you'll be firing on all cylinders, kind of roaring to get into the 1000 days sober experience so do that today really really important if you want to get the show notes for today the show notes are exceptional folks you get the show notes from today's episode you want to get a full transcription of today's episode and you want to get a special workbook um, that will give you some some fun and interesting questions based on today's episode that you can help that will um one up your life right then get over to www.1000daysober.com you will find the link there and sign up give us your email address and we will give you uh, we will give you these things free of charge okay and on that 40 pounds a month if you do not have the money if you are struggling financially then email me at the truth by alcohol at gmail.com and we'll figure something out do not let money get in your way of becoming 1,000 days sober. And just because we go 1,000 days sober, right? don't be worried about that if you're not quite ready to quit yet. The first stage of the Strive Model for Change is called Stuck. The second stage is called Thought. And we do not expect you to stop drinking whilst you're doing that work. And that will take you 
a good four to five months. So you get a lot of grace. We will meet you where you're at in your addiction to alcohol. Don't worry about that, okay? We take on everybody. People who are desperately trying to stop drinking and people who stop drinking and they just want help putting their life back together, okay? Um, lastly, if you enjoyed listening to our condition podcast, then please rate and review it on your local provider, whether that would be Apple or SoundCloud or whatever. Uh, just give us a nice review and some nice stars. You can find us on Instagram at 1000daysober.com. Oh, 1000 Days Sober. And you can find us on YouTube, 1000 Days Sober as well. All right, take care yourselves, folks. Ciao, ciao.